Listener Production. How have you been feeling lately? Tired? Iron deficiency can give symptoms of exhaustion and breathlessness on minimal exertion. You can feel uh, mentally like you can't function as well as you normally would and generally quite sluggish. Today on Feed, Play, Love, how to tell when feeling tired is more than lack of sleep. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Have you ever felt so tired that you literally have to drag yourself out of bed? Getting through the day feels hard simply because you're so zonked. I know as a mum of small children, you might be thinking, doesn't everyone feel that way? Like every morning? But it's not always a case of lack of sleep. Dr. Sneha Wedwani is a GP who specializes in women's health, and she's here to talk to us about iron. Hi, Sneha. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, this issue of iron I find so fascinating because I often find, you know, whether it's on a social media platform or if I'm talking with friends, that women don't seem to be aware when their symptoms of extreme exhaustion are pointing to a lack of iron, and yet it seems such an obvious place to start. How common is it for women to be low in iron? So it's actually really common. So approximately 12% of the Australian population of women who are pregnant will be iron deficient. And although I quote that as a figure, you know, from my experience in practice, it's significantly more than that. Uh, And then in the non-pregnant female population, it's around 15%. But on average, over a million people in Australia are iron deficient, full stop, regardless of gender or, you know, state of pregnancy or not. Um, So it's really quite a big problem. So how do you tell the difference between when you're tired from lack of sleep? So if you're a pregnant woman or if you've got young children, we all know that's kind of par for the course. Um, how can you tell when it's not lack of sleep and it is from low iron? So the reality is it's quite difficult to tell the difference between the two, especially in the early stages of iron deficiency. Uh, and that's because the symptom crossover in those early stages is is quite comparable, right? So you talk mm. about, you know, the feeling of when you haven't had enough sleep and the tiredness that is associated with that. And certainly when you're mildly iron deficient, you may just feel a bit like that. However, one of the cardinal differences with iron deficiency is no amount of sleep is going to make this any better. So if you've taken a weekend to take it easy and, you know, perhaps your partner's stepped up to look after the kids or you've put your feet up and had a nap during the day, and that hasn't replenished you, then you really do need to start to question if on an ongoing basis, this is more than just tiredness. There are some other symptoms that are that do manifest more in the more severe stages of iron deficiency, where levels fall to a much lower level. Uh, And those can include things like itchiness of the skin. Um, You can get some sores at the corners of your mouth 
or even um, some swelling and soreness of the tongue as well. But the most common feature that comes before those and after the tiredness is a feeling of breathlessness. And that might be breathless just climbing the stairs at home or going on a short walk or, uh, you know, bringing your shopping home, that kind of activity that you would normally do quite easily without thinking about it. So there is this exertional element to it, which you don't generally get when you're just tired from lack of sleep or busyness. It's so tricky, isn't it? Um, One of the things, I mean, I am one of those statistics where I've always had low iron and Uh, On occasion, I have um, tipped over into anemia. And at the time, I remember, you know, talking to my sister and just feeling so incredibly flat, you know, just really (laughs) beige if I had to choose a (laughs) colour. And um, so it was was more than mm, lack of sleep, although that's what I put it down to. What's actually happening in our body when we're low on iron? Why is it that we feel so average? So iron's a really important element that's involved in producing a certain chemical in the red blood cells that allows the red blood cells to carry oxygen around the body. And of course, oxygen is critical for all functions in the body, uh, you know, from our muscle activity. And certainly that's why we get fatigued so quickly with minimal activity. Uh, Because when the muscles are working and contracting, they need that oxygen to help them work. So without enough iron, essentially, we can't really transport enough oxygen around the body. And our red blood cell function becomes um, affected. Now, Initially, it starts off with just low iron levels, right? And and that's our storage component of iron in our ferritin levels also gets gradually depleted if we're not getting enough in or if we're losing from other sources. Um, and so as that uh, storage amount of iron, your ferritin depletes further, then the impact on the red blood cells uh, becomes greater and eventually our hemoglobins, that blood count, will start to drop because the hemoglobin count is reliant on the activity from our red blood cells. And so once that hemoglobin drops, essentially we become anemic. So we go from being iron deficient to being anemic. And that's basically what's happening in the body. Our our ability to transport and circulate oxygen is being affected. So when you say dropping, you drop into anemia, as I mentioned, that has happened Mm. to me before. And every time I've spoken to my GP, you know, and we do an iron count and she'll say, oh, that's, that's low, but it's okay. You're not anemic. Or she'll look at me very sternly and say, you know, you're anemic, right? (laughs) You know, like not, not, not assuming that I know, but telling me it's quite serious. Um, as a GP, what is your concern with that difference? So is it a big difference to be low in iron and then anemic? Like, is it is it dangerous? Is it concerning for you as a GP? What's the difference in just being low in iron or being yeah. told you're anemic? So it goes back to what I just mentioned, really. When the anemia sets in, so we're we're basically looking at two different things as doctors when we're looking at your 
iron levels. So there will be a test called your iron studies, and that looks at the amount of circulating iron and the amount of storage of iron and the amount of saturated iron in the blood. So that's your iron studies test. And then the other part that goes along with that is something called your full blood count, right? And the important part of that is, is first, firstly your hemoglobin, and the second thing is your red cell um, count and activity, right? So when we're looking at both of these, when your iron levels are low, but your hemoglobin and your red cells look okay, we're not too worried because we know that if we supplement your iron, that um, we will safeguard your hemoglobin and you won't become anemic. The problem is when we've already dipped into anemia, that means your iron count is low, but also your hemoglobin and your red cells are affected. That's a bigger task. It's a bigger problem to fix. And it's much more likely that you're going to have more significant symptoms at that stage. In very severe cases, um, of iron deficiency where it's been going on for years and the hemoglobin and blood cell activity has been gradually eroded, sometimes people actually need blood transfusions. And that's where possible we would like to avoid uh, as much as we can because, of course, this is treatable and preventable if we supplement that iron early. So I guess what I'm saying is that once we've tipped into anemia, it's going to start to affect Yes, your blood, but also other functions of your body as well. And it's going to be a bigger problem to solve. Whereas if we pick it up when you're just iron deficient, that's an easier fix. When it comes to why we're iron deficient, you mentioned earlier that there are lots of different reasons why we might be low in iron. Is it possible to pinpoint some main reasons if we're looking at pregnant women or new mums? Hmm. So absolutely. Um, as, a, as a GP in women's health and, you know, I look after a lot of women planning for pregnancy and women during pregnancy and then, of course, in their postnatal journey. And iron is something that I think is really important to monitor through that whole process from beginning to end. So it's important to ensure that you're iron levels are good before you enter pregnancy. And at that point of time, your iron levels really can be affected by diet. So um, people tend to be eating less red meat than they used to be in years gone by um, because of being health conscious and, and a variety of reasons. You know, some people might be vegan, some people might be vegetarian as well. Some people may just prefer to eat white meats. Um, but that does have an impact on, on our iron levels in the blood. Um, as omnivores, uh, we are less good at absorbing iron from vegetation, so vegetable matter, than we are at absorbing it from meat. Um, and so certainly diet can play a part. Um, obviously, as women, we have menstrual losses, so to do with our periods. So those are really the two key reasons why um, women certainly would have lower iron counts, the menstrual losses being the primary one. But certainly in thinking around pregnancy um, and in women pre-pregnancy, 
Now, through the pregnancy itself, of course, you're not just feeding yourself, but you're feeding the baby or babies, depending on how many you're carrying um, in the uterus. And that means that the metabolic rate is actually quite a lot higher than it normally would be. And the baby is taking a lot of nutrients from the mother's supply. So it's quite common for iron levels to fall during pregnancy and managing those is important. So certainly regular monitoring of that uh, at certain stages during the pregnancy where you're doing your other blood tests as well, but also being mindful of symptoms that might arise. Now, we all know, you know, in the um, last trimester, certainly of pregnancy, you know, you're uh, tummy's certainly a lot bigger. You can feel quite breathless and exhausted anyway. Um, but again, having that um, that knowledge to know how those differences can be slightly different uh, between, you know, the sort of pregnancy-related tiredness and the anemia or iron deficiency-related tiredness um, can occur, it is really important uh, to investigate. So certainly I as a doctor would have a very low threshold for a pregnant lady who's saying I'm exhausted. To do a blood test is fairly easy to do um, and we can check on those levels as we go through the pregnancy. Now in the postnatal period, um, aside from breastfeeding, which can obviously impact you know, your energy levels and certainly nutrient stores uh, because you're producing this breast milk, which is going to baby. Um, even in women who are not breastfeeding, the erratic nature of life with a newborn or even a young child is, is such that we often don't eat regularly. We're skipping meals. Uh, we're running about an awful lot. Uh, periods may have kicked back in again, and they may be different to what they were before. Um, so these things can also affect uh, the iron levels in the postnatal period. And the important thing not to forget is that obviously during the labor, there will be some degree of blood loss, whether that's through cesarean section or through vaginal delivery. And that can be very variable. So it depends really what your stores are like before you enter labor and then what happens in labor to what your levels are going to be like after labor in the postnatal space. So there's an awful lot of factors you can see there mm. that really will affect, um, you know, iron levels during that period of life. So what are the ways we can treat low iron? So in its very um, mild form, if we can identify that there are dietary deficiencies, then that might be all that's needed to um, alter the diet such that you're eating more iron-rich foods such as red meat, leafy greens, and certain other foods that are rich in iron, and also accompanying those with vitamin C. So for example, you know, if you're having a steak, have a glass of orange juice with it, um, so that the vitamin C actually assists in the absorption of iron back into the blood. So it may be something as simple as that. However, in some cases, we may need to do a bit more than that. And in the sort of mild to moderate uh, iron deficiency, we might need to look at uh, taking uh, medication that is iron supplementation. Now, there's many forms of this, and most of those are available over the counter. 
Um, I would say the iron liquids that people tend to take because they can tolerate it better. And what I mean by tolerate is that iron supplementation by mouth um, can cause some disturbance in your gut function. So for some people, constipation, for some people, diarrhea. And so a lot of patients or people tend to favor the iron liquid because they perceive it as not causing those side effects. However, the reason for that is the content of iron in those iron liquids is quite significantly reduced to the tablet form. So you often have to take it for a longer period of time in order to see any benefit. Um, so iron tablets are quite good. Um, you usually need to take them either once a day or twice a day with food. They are, um, there's a couple of different forms in which they come. And some are better at avoiding the um, gastrointestinal side effects than others. However, it's very subjective. Now, the thing about iron supplementation by mouth is that we don't actually absorb a lot of it through our gut. So most people will notice that when they're taking iron supplements, that their stools will become quite dark, almost black. And that's the surplus iron that we haven't been able to absorb coming out as a waste product. So it just goes to show that, you know, with the tablets we're taking, we're only going to absorb a certain proportion of that. And that's really the reason that we have to use these supplements for usually at least a couple of months, sometimes two to four months, um, to really see a significant benefit. Uh, and obviously that depends on the iron level that we're starting with. Now, if we have um, a scenario where we really can't tolerate the iron supplements by mouth because of the side effects, uh, then we might, or, or the iron deficiency is severe, such that you'd need to take oral supplements for a very long time. Uh, we might talk to you about whether you want to have an IV infusion. Now, this is where we give iron in a intravenous form. So it's basically set up in a drip and it's given into the vein by a cannula on the back of your hand or in your arm over a, about an hour or so um, and slowly. Uh, and this way, it's basically bypassing the gut. So you don't get the side effects and you get uh, the iron delivered where we need it most, which is into the bloodstream. Now, that will elevate your iron levels quite quickly from a very low level to a, a really decent level um, in a very short space of time. And then finally, you know, in its severer forms where iron deficiency has caused an anemia as well, so your blood count has dropped significantly, if it's too low and an iron infusion won't fix that, obviously your, your doctor will be able to tell you whether that's the case. But if it's too low, then we might need to think about a, even a blood transfusion to help uh, boost certainly the blood count and then the iron as well. So that's the full spectrum of treatment options, really, starting from the very, very minimal in terms of diet, right through to that blood transfusion. I have to say most women will sit around the sort of tablets or iron infusion space. Mm, so I've done both. <laughs> and I know what difference it can make when you finally address the issue of low iron. Can you talk to us, though, about the impact it can have once you're actually treated? Yeah, so I mean, the common 
comment that I receive from patients once I've treated their iron deficiency is that I can't believe I was functioning in the way I was before I did this. Um, So because it creeps up on you quite slowly, there is this inherent coping strategy that you will employ and you lose sight of actually what well-being feels like. But once we fix it, all that well-being returns. And aside from, you know, uh, losing the the symptoms of iron deficiency, you know, so having um, not feeling so exhausted and not feeling out of breath, perhaps the sores on your mouth and the sore tongue improving. Um, there is also a mental health well-being component that comes with this. I think especially, you know, in having young children, um, you know, the demands of that in the context of feeling really quite physically depleted because of iron deficiency can affect mood and a sense of well-being. So when we, you know, eradicate those physical symptoms, actually the mental health improves as well. And our capacity to, um, you know, deal with life on a day-to-day basis is much better. So it's really a general and a very holistic sense of well-being that you can achieve from replacing, you know, the iron in this space. Sneha, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. That's Dr. Sneha Wadwani. Make sure you check out the notes in this episode for a link to her Instagram. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the listener app. And don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.